Welcome to Central Line, Leadership in Healthcare, the show that shares stories, experiences, and advice from notable and innovative leaders in healthcare. Let's get started with your host, Leah Witchick. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Central Line, Leadership in Healthcare. I'm your host, Leah Witchick. Today, I'm joined by Damian Lang. Damien is the Director of Clinical Operations at Nanaimo Regional General Hospital, a 340-bed facility on central Vancouver Island. Damien brings 15 years of mixed clinical and administrative leadership to his work, and leading 1,100 staff within 18 different departments at the site means that there is rarely monotony or pause in his day-to-day practice. He strives to live his personal and professional lives within the values of curiosity, authenticity, relationships, visibility, and empathy, something he refers to as the CARVE approach. Damien took a pause on his graduate studies to embrace the transition to his current leadership role and also support his family transition to three children. Damien is excited to embark on his next chapter of personal and professional growth, which includes completing his Master's of Health Administration and furthering his leadership journey in Island Health and beyond. Regardless of whether it is at work, in the community, or amongst family and friends, Damien focuses on putting people first. Often, that starts with the simple things that can be overlooked or taken for granted, yet always seem to be crucially important being curious, listening to learn, and nurturing new and existing relationships. When not supporting staff and patient care in Nanaimo and abroad, Damien is a husband and a father of three children, aged 3, 7, and 11. A born and raised Vancouver Islander, he spends much of his time enjoying all that the coast has to offer, including snow and water skiing, fishing, and hockey. If you were to ask him, he'd likely inform you that there's truly no better place to live and work. Hi, Damien. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Welcome to Central Line Leadership in Healthcare, and thank you so much for being willing to share your time and your knowledge and your expertise with us. You and I have known each other for a couple of years now, so I know a bit of your history, but maybe walk us through your career path. How did you get to this place and what was your journey like? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me today. It's an honor to be here. And I'd, I'd, I'd summarize it by uh, saying that I've been in uh, healthcare for about 15 years now, uh, 15 or 16 years, and it all started clinically as an RN, actually. So in Victoria, I used to work uh, clinically on the burn unit as a registered nurse. And then from there, I got into uh, emergency services and moved up to Nanaimo, uh, where uh, my wife and I decided to uh, uh, settle some roots. And um, and uh, after working in uh, Nanaimo in the emergency department clinically, um, I got into uh, some leadership roles, uh, starting as a, as a clinical nurse leader here. But uh, subsequent to that, got into a, a site supervisor role, which is a which is a, a clinical and also an administrative senior nurse leader um, on site here, who oversees patient flow and and uh, site leadership, administrative duties, and the like. So it's it's this unique position, and it's one one nurse twenty four seven. And so I, I got into that position there 
uh, quite early on in my career after about five or six years um, being clinical. And at that point in time, um, you know, I, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with my career. I, I was definitely enjoying uh, the clinical aspects. And I had always thought, actually, you know, back then that I would become uh, a nurse practitioner. So at that point in time, I had uh, my eyes on doing my master's and and uh, definitely fulfilling a, a, a career in the clinical world. And uh, once I got into this role, it is, it's titled a clinic, uh, sorry, a coordinator of site operations, um, that site supervisor, as I had mentioned there. Uh, and I had started to get into some of the administrative uh, duties and, and started to understand that world of the organization. I actually really quite enjoyed it. And uh, after doing that for a couple of years, um, and when a manager position came up and, and uh, I applied on and in the, in the end was offered to me, I really had a decision point there. And it was, um, you know, am I going to stick with the clinical world that I had uh, grown to love and appreciate? Or am I going to continue and, and, and I guess, take the, the right side of the road here um, and jump into the administrative side of the house? So knowing that I had my eyes on the master's uh, in nurse practitioner, as, as had mentioned earlier, um, I, had a, I had about a month of tough decisions and conversations with family and friends. And, uh, and in the end, I chose the administrative side of things and leadership. And uh, since that time, I um, uh, had jumped into the manager role of patient flow back at that point in time, and subsequently have gotten into a couple of director roles in our organization and um, have never looked back. I've just absolutely loved my time uh, in leadership and, um, and emerging leadership roles here in the organization uh, and in the province of BC. And uh, yeah, it's just been uh, a bit of a whirlwind. I've stated only been around for about 15 years, but uh, absolutely love the people and the people development and the administrative leadership side of, of our organization and the work that I get to do each and every day. So the transition from clinical work to leadership was a fairly natural process for you. But I also hear that there were a couple of key decision points along the way. You mentioned that clinical work was a real passion for you and that you thought about being a nurse practitioner. So I'm interested in hearing what was the deciding factor for you to move from clinical work to a formal leadership position? Well, one of the things I loved most about the clinical world was um, certainly patient care and, and obviously patient care, but connecting with, with patients and families, but also really enjoying the team environment and team atmosphere that I, that I got to work with. And so um, when I had the, uh, when it was time to make the decision as to, you know, whether it was going to be a clinical or, or, or an administrative and leadership um, trajectory to my career, um, I didn't know it at the time, but thinking back on it now, um, one of the, one of the most compelling reasons, um, and it was a perception at that point in time, but, uh, one of the most compelling reasons was as I started to learn that site coordinator role and started to develop, um, relationships in a different way and be able to support staff in a different way that I had never done before, but to, to support them in doing their best clinical work and develop them as leaders. Um, that's where I really found my niche. And so be able to excel in my role and, and the first two or three years of, of those leadership roles by just getting a, a different perspective on how um, the site and the system operates, but being able to support leaders do their best work was really the selling point for me. And it's something that I continue to really value to this day. Your passion and dedication to that type of work is really evident. 
And you mentioned that your decision-making process involved family and friends. And so I'm wondering, what did they do to support you in this decision? And how do they continue to support you in your leadership role? Well, you know, I'll be honest in saying that um, nobody in my family is uh, working within uh, the healthcare field. So much of what I talk about with them is, uh, you know, it's it's new. It, it, much of the time, they don't necessarily understand it. Um, but what I what I do have is um, very supportive um, family and friends, and and uh, you know, starting with my wife and and kids and uh, parents and such. Um, you know, it was, it was, uh, there was excitement, um, but just, a just, a you know, very much supportive of me chasing and riding a bit of a wave that I didn't quite know where it was going to go at the time, but, um, we all knew that it was, um, uh, you know, the, the roles that I was in at that point in time were emerging leader roles and, um, you know, it just gave me the, the, the time and the space and the support to, to, to go with it. And I think looking back on it now, to have the flexibility and and just the the unwavering support from everybody um, at home and 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 at work as well was um, something that I that I definitely think fondly of. I know how important your family is to you, particularly your kids. What do you hope that your career will teach them? And I ask that question, recognizing they may or may not go into healthcare. But what are you hoping to model for them? What are you hoping to show them? And what are you hoping to teach them through your career in leadership? Well, I'm hoping to model um, that, uh, you, you know, what I'd say first is is that you don't always have to have a plan. And, um, you know, one of, uh, when, I, when I think back on my career, um, and, I'm, and I'm not even quite midway through my career, um, I, I didn't have a plan, um, 10 years ago. So when I was at this juncture of clinical versus administrative and leadership, uh, I had no idea other than leaving clinical behind, I had no idea where I was going or where I was going to end up. And, um, and I had to be okay with that. And, and luckily I was, um, and by really enjoying the work, um, and learning each and every day, I've gotten to a place now where, um, you know, the plan is, is starting to come to fruition. I've developed a plan over the last five years and I continue to walk my path. But what I would say to my family, uh, particularly my young kids uh, and the three of them is, is that um, learning every day is important. Um, and, um, and you don't always have to have a plan, but by staying committed and, and by um, being happy in what you do and finding value in what you do, uh, never lose sight of that. So although it may sound cliche, there are things that I've certainly lived and experienced in my last 10 years in leadership, and I continue to look forward to those opportunities as I uh, continue to move along here. Damien, I'm curious to know, as you moved into formal leadership, what do you wish you had known before you started? Uh, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, reflecting on my career and uh, one of the things that I wish I would have known or had known back then was that, um, you know, leadership never takes a day off. And, um, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, as, as a leader or as leaders, you know, we're always, we're always on stage um, and people are always watching us. And mm -hmm. although it's extremely hard work and it's uh, often mentally exhausting, um, it's, um, very much rewarding being able to develop people and, um, 
and further our relationships. And what I'd also say too is that uh, I, I didn't quite realize at the time, or at least early on in my career, that leadership can be quite lonely. Um, and so leaving the clinical world where I worked very closely with a, a clinical team to um, a couple of leadership roles, depending on context and, and, and what's happening in the moment with what we were working on um, and leadership in general, you can be quite isolated and quite lonely. Um, and so having to deal with that and find ways through that has been something that I've been able to do over the last 10 years of, of my leadership journey. Your comment about leadership being really lonely is is very interesting. And it's something that I hear often from the leaders that I speak with and the leaders that I work with. Now, you mentioned that over the past 10 years, you've developed some strategies to mitigate that. So what's working for you right now? Well, one of the things I try and do is as we talked about earlier, it's, it's it's be visible and connect with my teams and my people. And so even though my role can be isolating in, in the type of work that I do or the demands that the job brings, um, where I connect and recharge and and uh, and also get grounded is, is when I'm with my teams. And that could be connecting with my leaders that report directly to me, or that could be connecting with the clinical teams that I still support. And, and when I spend time with them and their element, um, it it fosters my growth and 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 supports me in so many ways. It it, it grounds me and and helps me understand what they're going through on a day to day basis. But um, it also reminds me that and and reminds the people that I work with that we're on the same team. And so whether you're a leader in a formal role or informal role, at the end of the day, we're here for the same reason, and that's to support quality patient care. And uh, and just getting back to the conversations and and relationships with my team no matter who they are, is, is how I uh, reflect on that. That's really interesting, Damien, because I think often there's a belief in leadership that the leader needs to be this person that's untouchable and always holding it together and never showing any sort of vulnerability. What I hear you saying is that you made the conscious decision to reach out to your team members to foster that connection and to show your humanity and your vulnerability. What I'm interested in knowing is, was that process uncomfortable or awkward at any point? Or did it just come naturally? Did it just flow? There, there were challenges and um I'm an introvert uh, by classification and uh, <laughs> through through my career, you know, for to reference the Myers-Briggs uh, um, uh, work, um, very much early on in my career and, and me as an individual, I'm very much introverted. Um, and through my career, I, I'm very much getting more to the middle ground of, of some extroversion, but uh, even still, and so to answer your question, um, there were times where early on in my career and particularly in my leadership journey where being out with teams and engaging with people and just immersing myself in, in their world, I'll call it for a lack of better terms at this point is, um, um, you know, there was, there was some intimidating moments. There was um, some uncomfortable moments and um, that came with vulnerability. And, and by just being there and listening and watching and really not having uh, any other reason to be there than to than to connect with people? Um, there's there sure was uh, times of, of discomfort and and as I know now, having the 
having the benefit of being able to reflect on it, there is also um, amazing growth and opportunity within that as well by being vulnerable and just just being there with the people and just asking, you know, how are you as as an individual? How is your husband or wife? Tell me a bit more about you. And of course, over time, when you when you build up those relationships and when staff get to know um, why you're there or, or they even come to expect that you'd be coming around to speak with them, um, things become much more uh, natural, um, uh, less intimidating, more comfortable and uh, and certainly more value within that. It sounds that in addition to you receiving the support that you needed, this practice really fosters that sense of collaboration and that sense of teamwork. And I think the other piece of this is the recognition that we are all unique and complex as people and that these aspects of us contribute to how well we can get the job done and move forward as a team towards that common vision, which is patient care. And so out of this, what I'm hearing is this idea of visible leadership, which I know is so important to you. So I'm interested in hearing a little bit more about what visible leadership is all about and what does it mean to you? It all came about uh, back in my first manager role, actually, 10 years ago. Uh, And at that point in time, um, we were doing a tour of the Vancouver General Hospital uh, in regards to some patient flow initiatives that we were that we were learning about, and um, my my previous uh, boss and mentor at that time, who's now our vice president, um, she she was big and still is big on on visible leadership, and so I got to learn it from her. and And when we did this tour at Vancouver General, we were you know we did the Gemba rounds, uh, and I think they actually told us that they they specifically use the word Gemba, and and it's all about getting to where the action happens and and walking in the footsteps of of your team, and so. We did these Gemba rounds at uh, the Vancouver General Hospital, as stated, and um, you know I really got to see and, and learn from some of the professionals and leaders who I was with about how they how they were visible with their teams, and and I saw firsthand the value that their that uh, their reports and their teams um, uh, saw within that practice, and so you know we brought pieces of the philosophy back um, to Island Health, and as stated. Some of the leaders that I worked directly with already had visible leadership as part of their repertoire, but um, you know, it, it stuck with me from from the first time I heard it, the first time I saw it, and for me, it's exactly that. It's it's just it's it's um, being with the people who who are doing the work, and you know, when I'm in my office, um, where fortunately and unfortunately, I spend much of my time. Um, I, I don't know the, the day-to-day pressures or, or the realities of, of exactly what's happening for everybody. And, and um, it helps me um, understand, you know, when I'm able to walk a unit or, or a number of units in a day and connect with the team or simply sit there and watch what's happening, it helps me understand their workflows, their pressures, some of their opportunities. Um, and, uh, you know, more than anything, what I've learned over the last few years is, um, People come and 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 have conversation and ask for assistance, or they may they may even um, and often they do um, pitch ideas of this is this is something that we want to try here, and this is something that we want to innovate on, and uh, this is an idea that we came up with on our unit, and can we have support, or are you interested, or what do you think about some of the next steps around uh, something that we can do to improve care here, and so it's really a way to 
to help me stay connected with the teams, help me understand what's going on with both our staff um, complement and our patients whom we serve, but um, just just staying connected with the overall operational components of, of what I lead each and every day. Right, right. So connecting with people and getting a sense of what's going on for them on a day-to-day basis. What is impacting their ability to get the job done and get it done well? What's going on for them on a day-to-day basis? What story or experience could you share with us that highlights the critical importance of visibility and leadership? It sounds simple, and um, and I I don't think it is to start with in the practice of visible leadership. But the simplicity that I was referencing is when people know my name and I know their name, and so one of the greatest values um, and and pieces of visible leadership that I that I really get jazzed about is when um, you know I may be transitioning between a meeting or I may be walking in it or I may be in line at a coffee shop. Um, and somebody approaches me and, and, and they know who I am and I also know who they are. Um, and not just from a name perspective, which is, which is high value, but I also know about them. And so when we're able to connect as human beings and as individuals in our place of work and get to know what, uh, one another bring to the table, um, that's really what, uh, I enjoy. And that's really when I, um, take value away from the visible leadership piece. Right. So those everyday interactions and sometimes those off the cuff conversations, as you mentioned, you're waiting in line for your cup of coffee. What do you hear from others as to the benefit of your level of visibility as a leader? People seem to say that they they feel supported and um you know, overseeing 1100 staff, there's there's a lot of people in in you know, my place of work or in, in systems like these where they don't necessarily know who, um, you know, their directors or executives are and putting faces to names is crucially important because we're, we're people caring for people. Um, and it's all about the relational practices I said earlier on, but people really feel supported. They feel heard. And so, yeah. um, you know, I find that when I round on units, um, and, and I think that I take this as a good thing where people feel comfortable and able to approach me and bring anything my way. Um, but what, what I've heard over the years is that, you know, by by lending an ear and and truly listening to to, to hear them out and listen to their ideas or listen to their concerns, people feel heard. Um, people feel supported when we engage in a conversation about how we can improve care or improve the wellness of staff and, and uh, clinicians and physicians. Um, and uh, I, I think they also feel um, like they're a part of something bigger. Uh, it goes beyond just our, the roles or, or the day-to-day work. I think they feel that they have um, a broader awareness and sense of belonging um, and, part of, uh, and that they are a part of a bigger team here. Right. And I think one of the most dangerous things in healthcare is silence. When people are not comfortable enough to bring issues forward, maybe it's a situation, maybe it's a problem, it's a challenge. And so what I hear you saying is that one of the key benefits of having 
a degree of visible leadership is that people get the opportunity to not only get to know you and who you are and what makes you tick, but also have the opportunity to bring things forward and to feel comfortable in doing so. Yeah, exactly. And what I'd say is that it takes time. And um, I didn't have any expectations when I first started rounding on units. I didn't expect people to come to me. In fact, I expected quite the opposite. And that's what I got. People were, uh, you know, somewhat skeptical. Uh, You know, why is, why is, you know, the director on our unit? um, What's happening now? Um, A little bit of negative connotation when, when they saw me and until they uh, got to know me, which came uh, over a period of time. And after many, many visits, um, people got to know what, what, you know, why I was there, why I was um, being a visible leader and, and then um, certainly felt more comfortable engaging me in conversation. So it's something that we have to be aware of. It's, it's not something that we can go out there and expect is just going to happen. It's, it's through many, many hours of investment um, before we get to those um, get to the place of, of um, I'll call it a rich conversation with many staff on our teams. What kept you coming back? Because it sounds like at first the reception to your visits was a little bit chilly. People weren't sure why you're there. I've even heard stories of people hiding when their senior leadership come to the unit. So what was the driver for continuing to return to the unit? Well, a couple of my values are curiosity and, and, and I really value relationships. And, um, and so I also feel um, a need to, to understand my teams and, and the world that they work within. And so um, when, I, when I engage in a conversation or when I hear a concern or when I deal with a, a, a complaint from a patient or, or whatever scenario it is, um, I need context. I need to have up-to-date information. I need to be able to see and hear and feel what um, my team is walking through each and every day. And so um, it it it's it brings me extreme joy and um, and comfort being able to walk the walk, be out there with my teams, whether it's five minutes or whether it's an hour, if I can spare that from time to time. I will choose to fill it with. Um, engaging and conversing um, with my team and uh, finding ways to just improve the way we do things. I'm really glad you mentioned your values because you and I have had a couple of conversations over the last few years about your values. And I know this is something that is really important to you and you hold up on a daily basis. Now, I also know that you use the acronym CARVE, which represents your values. Could you share what CAR stands for and how did this come to be? Yeah, I, I certainly. Um, um, what I would first say is that uh, in organizations such as uh, these, as One Island Health, we have our we have our organizational values, and and I'm a believer that everybody has their intrinsic values, whether they've fully identified them or not. And um, through coaching, through mentorship, through my time in leadership, um, I've I've gotten comfortable with who I am as a leader and as a person, and and I often reflect on my work, and it, and it often comes back to the same um, pieces, and and which are essentially my values. And you mentioned the carve, 
um, acronym there, and and a couple words can be interchangeable, but it's it's courage uh, and curiosity, it's authenticity, it's relationships, it's visibility, and it's empathy. What I would say as as an emerging leader, if I can call myself that, is that um, what I find I do each and every day is um, is I is I reflect on the values and my, and my values, and we have to find ways to tap into our uh, personal intrinsic motivators. In this case, my values, and these five are are, are some of them. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, carb is what it's all about. And what a great way to package your values in such a way that I would think it makes it a little bit easier to stay aware of them and keep them front of mind. That being said, it's easy to lose sight of our values sometimes when we get caught up in the busyness of every day and the workload that we are trying to deal with. So what do you do to keep your values front of mind and to help yourself reflect on them on a daily basis? What works for you? Um, a lot of what I say, Leah, is, you know, um, you can often get back to basics. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm known for saying, let's just focus on the simple things and let's keep it simple and, and those types of those types of approaches. And so uh, as simple and uh, perhaps as silly as it sounds, on the side of my computer on a big, bright, sticky note um, is this acronym. Uh, and mm. and in everything I do, whether it's a phone call and I'm looking at them right now as I talk to you or whether it's creating a document or responding to an email or whatever it may be, um, this sticky note grounds me and, and often reminds me of, uh, of my values and, um, and how I may think about responding or react to something. And then outside of that, you know, whether it's in a, a meeting with my group or setting an agenda or or um, whatever it is I may do in my day to day practices, um, I'm constantly constantly reflecting and, and also have this sticky note on the inside of my binder that I carry around with me. But constantly, constantly reflect, reflecting and constantly challenging myself to live within these values and um, truth be told, it, it, it comes easy. And, uh, you know, these values are, are the values that I carry outside of work. Um, so personally and professionally, it's the same, similar value set, um, mm -hmm. as to how I lead my life. And so, um, the reminders are important, I must say, whether they're simple, uh, or not, but, um, uh, those are just a couple of ways that I keep myself within the values that, uh, that I carry here in the workplace. And as we mentioned earlier, it's really easy to lose sight of our values sometimes, but what I'm hearing from you is that you have engineered strategies so that you make sure that you use your values as a foundation for everything you do. And as you said, it can be as simple as using a sticky note to remind you of those values. So this might be a tougher question, but I'm interested in knowing if there was a time or a place where you felt that your values were being compromised or were really challenged. And what did you do to work through that? It is a good, I don't know if it's tricky. Um, great question. Uh, I think uh, I go back to, there was a couple of challenging scenarios here over the course of a few years uh, in Nanaimo um, with our electronic health record uh, rollout and some of our adjustments here with, with um, 
with some of our processes and and there was some very challenging conversations and and I guess to summarize in a quick way they were challenging because they were coming from a place of us and them and I'm referring to physicians versus health authority or 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 health administrators and leadership and so when we were engaged in very heated and uncomfortable conversations and and that us and them mentality um and at the end of the day, we were trying to improve systems and how we support patient care. I knew heading into some of those meetings that they were going to be uh, heated, uncomfortable, contentious, a lot of different things. And I knew that they were going to be pressing against uh, my personal value set. Um, and I'll tell you, through the heave it all and, and listening to understand through some of these meetings and scenarios, um, it was actually somewhat seamless to get to a different place of understanding and respect. So by being curious and, and truly listening to, to listen and understand, as I stated there, but also when it came to me having to speak my piece or give an opinion on something or share my side of the story, by being honest and authentic and vulnerable, um, people really seem to appreciate that. And I can't underestimate, um, you know, I, I like to say you be you or you do you. And, and I think in those moments, um, although although heated and uncomfortable by by reminding myself of these values and, and certainly living within them, but starting with listening um, and being curious, it set me off um, on, a, on a trajectory of um, being able to get to a different place in the end. And I, and I think respecting the individuals across and around the table at the same time by doing it. So it's, you know, it's it's a it's one example of a challenging set of conversations that we had, but ultimately, as stated, it was it was coming from a real deeply rooted us and them mentality on how we were trying to move to a different place here um, in our system of care. But uh, uh, again, as stated previously as well, by having these values stuck on the inside of my binder, as stated, and and reminding myself and reading over them throughout the uh, throughout these conversations, uh, it certainly helped me get to a different place. It sounds like it was a really challenging situation and a challenging dynamic for everyone who was involved. And I think what you were saying about bringing authenticity to the table is a really important point to highlight. As you mentioned, there was a lot of emotion that was coming into these conversations on all sides. And by you showing up real and genuine and authentic, supported that aim to find a solution together and to open up that door for some real, sometimes raw, but productive conversation with all of the stakeholders being involved. What occurs to me is that this level of authenticity seems to have really turned the tides for the situation as well as the relationships that were involved and was a key stepping stone for shifting the dynamics of the conversations that needed to be had in order to get to a resolution. So I'm curious to hear in the spirit of challenge, what is something that you feel you failed at? You know, the I'm going to I'm going to flip this a little bit. Absolutely. And I, I will reference the scenario that I just talked about in in these very um contentious series of meetings that we had. Um 
one of the things I failed at, so this goes back about four or five years now. Um, one of the things I failed at, and, and I'm sure I failed at many, but one of the things that sticks out is um, uh, through these meetings and through being consumed in some of the passion and the extra hours and, and um, just the emotion of it all um, and some really tough times here for, for, you know, about a year or 18 months straight, I failed at um, uh, being a good father. And so what I have learned is that um, by being uh, overwhelmed and um, overly vulnerable, I was exhausted um, due to my work obligations. Uh, I was struggling to find balance at work. I was struggling to communicate effectively with my team. Um, I was just a, I was just in a, a, a unique state. You know, lots going on. Just to to sum it up and to say the least. But what I had, what I really realized, and I had a good conversation with my wife about it. Luckily, I have her to support me through all this. Was that I was not who I needed or wanted to be outside of the walls of work. And so, when it comes to leadership, again, having ten years of of hindsight and um, and uh, looking back on it all now, they. You, you have to do well at both and you, you can't focus more on one than the other. And I think what I learned through the contentious issues here on site and through our region was that, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't able to go home and focus on my kids or my wife or my family or my time away from here. And what that did was just spin me more and more tightly through um, further exhaustion, lack of focus, lack of being able to break the cycle and, and be a good person, a good dad, a good husband, but also a good leader at work. So it was something that uh, it wasn't necessarily a failure at work, although you could say that was it was starting to get that way. But um, by failing outside of work and having the support system to um, remind me of that and work me through that and support me through uh, what was happening outside of here, I was able to refocus both personally and professionally and come back in um, a much more... Um, open and honest way, which I've, which I've been able to really embrace over the last three years of practice. I appreciate your honesty and vulnerability in answering that question. It sounded like it was a very challenging time. And what strikes me is that working in healthcare, we always strive to look at our patients and our patient families from a holistic perspective. And I think often we forget to view ourselves through the same lens and to take care and support ourselves through times of stress and challenge. It sounds like this was a really important lesson for you and that you took a lot away from that experience in terms of moving forward and your own leadership. I'm interested in hearing what you had to do to move out of that situation and move into a place of more balance and to be able to be the person that you wanted to be. Luckily, I had um, I had some really strong mentors and uh, executive leaders who um, they were likely in much the same scenario and dealing with the same things that I was. And uh, um, these mentors that I had... Uh, reminded me that, um, you know, I need to focus on me. I need to focus on family. They tried putting up, um, supports and, and boundaries for me almost. And, um, right. and what I remember one of them saying was, you just need to tell us what you need and we will support you in that. And so if it meant leaving on time and, uh, 
I know it sounds a little funny to say that, but if it meant leaving on time or even a few minutes early to, to make a recital or to pick up a kid for uh, an appointment or whatever it might be, before I may have thought that I couldn't do that, I had something to do at work or I had to be in a meeting where I actually got um, the green light or, or permission, and that's not the right word, um, but the support, I guess, to, to, to draw my own boundaries and figure out and advocate for myself how I was going to deal with it. And I think... Um, you know, it, it was just through, as stated earlier, being able to take time away. And so by, by saying no to a meeting at seven in the morning, or perhaps leaving on time a few days of the week, I was able to start to claw back time where I could fill up my family tank, fill up my personal tank, but then be comfortable with putting in, um, boundaries, uh, in the workplace that, that helped me sustain both. And I think over time people um, respected that they got to know. And I say that I think people respected that because many folks were yearning for the same thing. And um, I'll just focus on myself. I suppose I'll speak for myself, but by, by being able to claw back and get back to the basics of, of calendar management, daytime management, saying no to things that aren't urgent or the top priority as they will just to decompress get my thoughts, get my breath, start to catch up on my home life, um, and therefore come back to work and know that the boundaries that I'm going to try and put in place over a period of time, and it was months on months into a couple of years of, of trying to practice this, um, I was able to get to a place of being okay with my decisions and having the respect of my peers, colleagues, and leaders um, in supporting me in that journey as well. I think you raise a really good point. We know from the research and literature that's out there that one of the foundational pieces of leadership is modeling the way and it sounds like that through your own process of growth and getting more comfortable with setting boundaries and taking time to to fill your cup back up was really instrumental in supporting others to do the same and to know that it's okay and to see that in action. So building off of the idea of lessons learned, I'm curious to hear what's been the most important thing that you've learned in life? What's the most important thing I've learned in life? I would have to say, um, be yourself. Um, stick to what you know. Um, be who you are. Work within your values. We all have them. Um, just, just be yourself and don't take things for granted. Uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a believer, and I often say to my kids and others, everything happens for a reason. Um, when push comes to shove, uh, you, you just have to, you know, follow your intuition, um, stick to your guns, and be yourself. As, as simple as it sounds. Nice. As you said, it sounds simple, but it's often something that is incredibly challenging to put into practice, but so, so important. What are some resources that maybe you found helpful that others may find of use? Well, I uh, would start with you. I've been lucky enough to have a uh, support of, of um, coaching. Well, thank you. That's really kind. Well, it's it certainly helped me uh, in many, many ways. And so that was endorsed um, from, from my leadership and um, my peers in the organization. I've been uh, fortunate to 
uh, be involved in many learning sessions and development sessions within our organization and even in the province of BC over the years uh, where I get to engage with my peers and, and, and I certainly value the peer network that I've been able to establish in um, Western Canada over the last 10 or so years. And, uh, you know, I, I love my team. I am blessed to have a strong and capable uh, leadership team. And I would say the same for, for the people I report to. Um, very um, positive, very um, um, supportive when it comes to uh, supporting my balance, when it comes to life and work, and um, also offering me tools um, to, uh, to help me become a more rounded leader. And, and, you know, I enjoy reading. It's, it's difficult with three kids sometimes, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm rereading, um, if Disney ran your hospital by Fred Lee. And, um, I'm not sure if you've read that one, but, but, uh, just, just getting back to, um, some of the, some of the basics, as I've stated throughout the call, right. Um, in regards to how I ground myself, how I, how I focus and, uh, how I get back to the basics of, of being a leader in our system. I have not read that, Damien. It's going to be something I'm going to have to put on my list to pick up. So before we close, I would like to give you the opportunity to offer one final piece of wisdom to our listeners. I would say, um, you know, at the end of the day, and our CEO says it so well, um, at the end of the day, we're people caring for people. So we're people caring for our teams of people. We're people caring for our patients who um, are obviously people. And, and I, what I would, one of the things I would say is never overestimate the value of connection and empathy and um, reminding ourselves of, of the human element of patient care. I think there's times we can lose that uh, in, in the priorities and, and um, the hustle and bustle of what we do. And uh what I'd also say is never under, underestimate the value of being raw and authentic, although it can be very uncomfortable depending on scenario or where you're at with your practice. Um, people, teams, patients, um, they truly um, appreciate it and actually deserve it. I, I don't think I've ever met um, a professional or a patient or a family that I've met with, and I meet with many that have ever had a problem with me being uh, myself and being honest and using humility through our practice. And so um, just something that I, that I hang my hat on and I would suggest. Uh, the last thing I'll say is that trust is the basis for everything that we do. And uh, without it, we don't have a leg to stand on. And, and that gets back to the relationship piece of my personal value set. It comes down to trust, it comes down to communication, it comes down to relationships and healthcare. I don't think we have any other choice but to focus on our relationships because without it, there's uh, really not much else. So a few little tidbits there that I've learned through my journey and that I continue to focus on um, as I evolve as a leader in our system. Well said, Damien. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing your experiences and all your words of wisdom. And I just want to say a really big thank you, too, for your authenticity. We talked a lot about that today, and it really shone through in your ability to be who you are and to share with us your true self. So thank you for that. My pleasure. It's uh, an honor and it's humbling to be here, and uh, I hope to chat with you soon.
My thanks again to Damien Lang, my guest for today. If you're interested in learning more about myself and the work I do, feel free to visit our website, talltreesleadership.com. Thanks so much for joining us today at Central Line, Leadership in Healthcare. Also, if you like what you heard, please head on over to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review. Be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to get to know you on social media, so check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.